Uh, but we've seen how God is faithful. Thus far, we have noted that God is faithful to his promise, and we will continue to see the faithfulness of God. Now, what we noted in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, which to me is one of the most pivotal, significant verses in the Bible. Now, there, you know, all, we, all of God's word is inspired, but it was there that God gave the consequences for sin from Eve, then Adam, and to Satan, and saying, Satan, it would be the seed of woman that would destroy his seed. And of course, we believe and we've traced that that seed is going to ultimately be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And so we have traced that as far as humanity is concerned. We've seen that basically the seed promise or the beginning, we've had two physical creations or uh, one as we've seen a recreation, if we can use that term, dealing with Noah, but also two spiritual beginnings we've noted. And we've seen one. And so we'll continue to explore that. But in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, what we've noted here is this, that in God making the promise to Abraham, he made a threefold promise. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get thee out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse them who, uh, who curse you, and in thee all nations of the earth shall be blessed. So we see a threefold promise. Land, they would become a great nation, and God would bless all the families of the earth through Abraham. That's the seed promise. And we're going to trace that lineage. We're going to trace that genealogy and trace that promise. And of course, God, because of the faithfulness of Abraham, would say that there would be a sign of the covenant. And of course, that sign of the covenant would be circumcision. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And that's going to be pertinent, especially when it comes to the Galatian epistle, because understand the Jews had this notion that circumcision only started with the law of Moses. And Paul in Romans chapter 4 is going to show them, no, no, no. Justification is not through the law. The promise that God had made is before Moses. It was made through Abraham. And we'll bring that up when we get to it. Now, let's continue our thoughts. Now, God would make and give a commandment, Abraham, to show why Paul would even refer to Abraham as the father of us all. Of course, the father of faith, as he's referred to. Because in Genesis 22 and verse number 2, we noted this a little bit last night. Then he said, take now your son. Now remember, God had told Abraham that all the families of the earth would be blessed through his seed. Abraham has, uh, this is the only son that Abraham has as far as, of course, he has Ishmael. But God had already said, that's not the son of promise. And so now Abraham is to take the son of promise, the son of promise, and he's to offer him as a sacrifice in the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. So now Abraham, as you can imagine, is okay. All right, this is, the, this, is the, this is the promise, the son of promise. And now you said that all nations of the earth would be blessed through my seed. And now I'm about to offer my seed as a sacrifice. But Abraham trusted God. Abraham knew that God would be faithful to his word. And so we find in Genesis 22 and verse number 12, And he said, Do not lay thy hand on the lad 
or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, and since you have not withheld your son, your only son. Hold your place there, and I, I actually I had this slide, I don't know how where it went. But in Hebrews chapter 11, I want us to know why Abraham did this. Remember how we've seen that through Seth, and through Seth's descendants, men began to call on the name of the Lord, and that Abraham was a part of that descendancy? In other words, he was also one who was faithful with God. We trace that all the way back even to Seth, uh, and to Noah, and those who would even be between Seth and between Noah. But why did Abraham do this? Knowing what God had said. Well, the Hebrew writer tells us in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 8, for by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which should hereafter receive for an inheritance, obeyed and went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and with Jacob, and heirs with him of the same promise. Now watch this. For he looked for a city which was foundations and builder and maker is God, uh, then he talks about uh, his wife also. And I guess I, I should have gotten my verse a little bit before that. Uh, I am looking for verse number 18. Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. Again, that's what we're talking about here. Accounting. Now, why now, let me start with 17. I'm sorry. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac when he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son. Remember, this is the heir. This is the promise. Now watch, watch why. Accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead from which also he received him in a figure. Here's why uh, Abraham did it. He knew the power and the faithfulness of God. God was going to raise him up. Now he didn't know God was going to stop him from actually carrying forth, but Abraham knew that God was going to keep his promise. And so that's why he offered him. Consider that basic tenet and foundation of faith. Beyond our own wisdom, we act upon God's commandments and we trust God. I can't help but think about baptism. Just again as a side note. Guys, when we're baptized into Christ, why do we believe our sins have been washed away? Because God says, now, there's no light shining through the building and uh, harps singing and, and the water bubbling and, and all these things of the confirmation that we're doing what's right. No, we know it's right because God says it's right. And when we get out of that water and we come up out of that water, guess what? We know our sins have been forgiven through faith. There's no physical manifestation. Now, there may be a physical manifestation of our faith and trust and obedience to God through us. But, guys, there's no... Uh, you know, and all these various things. We know through faith God will keep his promise. Now, let's continue. Now, Abraham, his son Isaac, <laughs> well, he was about to offer you. Yeah, he was. But now notice it would be through that son that this promise would continue. Abraham, Isaac, and now Jacob. We're still continuing to see that seed of woman that's going to destroy Satan. Those men who called on the name of the Lord. Now understand, we already know the accounts and stories of these men. If we don't, we're going to continue to study our Bibles. And we're going to learn that these men, although they were faithful, they were not perfect. In other words, Abraham lied. He was fearful and lied to Abimelech that Sarah, oh, she's my sister. Well, not perfect. Not flawless. But all human beings are fallible. And so please know that these men are part of this promise. 
not because they're infallible, not because they ever did anything wrong, not because they are flawless and spotless, but because they're faithful. Because they're faithful. And we'll have some concluding statements about that at the end of our lesson. Now, let's continue. I'm sorry about the format here. It just ended up being this way for some reason. In Genesis chapter 26, 3 through 4, here's what we find. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants, I give all these lands, and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and the seed of the nations of the earth shall be blessed. This is to Isaac. God is continuing the promise. Abraham to Isaac. And so we see now that who's them? Well, the, the son of Isaac is Jacob. And here's where we see the promise continued. Now notice what God said about uh, to Jacob. In Genesis chapter 28 and verse number 14. And your descendants shall be as of the dust of the earth. You shall spread abroad as, uh, to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your seed all families of the earth shall be blessed. So the promise is continuing. Through Abraham, through Isaac, and now through Jacob. And God has reiterated that promise all the way through. Now Isaac would have 12 sons. But as we've seen, Adam and Eve had more than one son. But not everybody, God is going to carry this promise through. It would be through the descendants of Jacob, particularly one son, which would be named Judah. We find in Genesis chapter 49 and 8 through 11... Now remember, uh, 8 through 10, this is when Moses had given the law. The events that we find from Abraham, Moses wasn't around then, but God took his servant Moses. When the nation of Israel had been brought out of Egyptian bondage, it was then that God said, I'm going to reveal the events that have taken place from the beginning of humanity all the way to this time, and I'm going to give you a law. I'm going to give you laws. Remember, Moses wasn't around during the days of Adam or Eve or, or Abraham or Enosh or any of those others. But God said, I want you to recount the story. I now have separated me a people, and I want those people to know my dealings with them. I want them to know my law. I want them to know the history and why I'm going to do what I do. Okay? Judah, you are... Or you are rather, be whom your brothers shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's, uh, your father's children shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp from, uh, from the prey, my son. And you, uh, you rather have gone up. He bows down and he lies down as a lion. And as a lion who shall rouse him, the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And to him shall the obedience of the people, shall be the obedience of the people. God is still continuing his promise. But now let, 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 me, let me pause for a moment and, 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 and let's, let's, let's just make a comment here. This is through Moses. This was given... Through God's servant Moses. There was no, or not yet, a king in Israel. When did that come about? That came through King Saul. King Saul isn't around now. Okay, and then remember, Saul wasn't from Judah. Saul was from Benjamin. And so Judah, this is where the promise, and we'll see who that's going to be. But I just want to stop and know there's not a king yet. 
There's not even a divided kingdom yet. There's not even a united kingdom yet. But yet God is doing what? Already. It's going to be through Judah. So, you mean from this point to when King David, who was from Judah, would come, that all the events that transpired, God knew about and had foretold, and that there would be a man, a son of Jesse, who was from Judah, that would one day be king? Way in the days of Moses, he had already revealed it. You better believe it. You better believe it. Oh, yeah. God knows. And God knew. All right, so, Jacob would have 12 sons. Okay? Remember, we've already seen that it would be through Judah, through Judah, that this lineage would come. Okay? The scepter shall not depart from Judah. And that scepter, of course, was the rod of a king. And, of course, that rod of a king, David being uh, the king after Saul who disobeyed God. But ultimately, we're not talking about a king as far as earthly kingdoms. Not even, we're talking about the king of kings and lord of lords. And God is already revealing this promise that would be fulfilled through Jesus Christ. But now, Judah. Well, what would happen? See, we're introduced also in the book of Genesis to a man named Joseph. Who, by the way, is not from Judah. Why is he so significant? It's significant. Man, the, the providence and faithfulness of God, that's why. God in keeping his promise and making sure his promise will be fulfilled. You see, now we see something. In Genesis 15, you may recall, God said this. No, sir, to Abram, know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs and will serve them and they will be afflicted or will afflict them for hundred years. So God would say through Moses again to Abraham going all the way back. Remember we ended in Genesis 26. We're going back to Genesis 15 and God said look your people, your seed are going to be afflicted for 400 years in a land and nation that's not theirs. A land that's not theirs from a nation who's not mine. Okay? Uh, you know, I'm just telling you. <laughs> well, we see also of course that this came true. I'm sorry about the pictures. I don't normally do that, but I just wanted to make a visual here. Uh, remember, Moses would uh, God would appear to Moses in the burning bush, and of course, God would tell Moses uh, that you're going to deliver my people. He would go. He would actually tell him to go tell the Israelites. Remember who it? Uh, I'm jumping ahead of myself. That uh, that the I am has sent you. And, of course, God would deliver them with a mighty hand. Of course, he would even part the Red Sea. In other words, God would appear to him, confirm him. He would deliver them. They would have a law. And, of course, there's a promised land, a land of promise that God would command. And so in Exodus chapter 19, in verse number 3 through 6, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which, which thou shalt speak to the children of Israel. Okay? They would go 
to that land. Of course, we know that that land would be Egypt. And we find the Egyptians having the Israelites in extreme bondage. It would be through Jacob's son, Joseph, that Israel would have that promise of a mighty nation or a great nation fulfilled. Because it would be in Egypt that they would grow or be fruitful and multiply into a great nation. It was just Jacob and his family that went down into Egypt, of course, because there was a famine and they were seeking food. And you know the story of them selling Joseph uh, into slavery. And of course, he ended up in the house of Potiphar. And it was there that God, I believe, transitioned Israel from one part of the promise to the other. And God, through Joseph, preserved his promise they did not die in that famine. They were able to go to Egypt, given a land separate to them called Goshen, and they were able to be fruitful and to multiply until there came a Pharaoh who did not know the God of Joseph. Joseph was the second in command under Pharaoh. Joseph had great prominence. Joseph showed great favor to his family, and hence God's promise was allowed to continue or did continue. So we find Moses being sent by God to deliver the people of Israel from Egyptian bondage. And then in Joshua chapter 23, of course, Moses would do that. Uh, they would have to sojourn in the wilderness 40 years. And of course, a whole generation would be destroyed because of their murmuring, because of their complaining, because of their disobedience to God. And a man by the name of Joshua and another man named Caleb and that generation would be the ones who would enter into the promised land. Moses, as well as his uh, 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 brother Aaron uh, and, and Miriam, these, these three, they, they all would, would not be able to see the promised land. But now, after Moses died, there was a man named Joshua who would take over from Moses. Therefore, God says in Joshua 23, verses 15 through 16, Therefore shall come to pass... That all these good things have come upon you, which the Lord God promised you. So the Lord will bring upon you all the harmful things until he has destroyed you from the good land which the Lord your God has given you. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, when he commanded you and gave uh, I'm sorry, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and you shall perish quickly from the land which God has given you. Here's some things we need to note about this. God gave them a land promise. We already noted that. We see this promise being fulfilled right here. It was fulfilled. God said his intent for Israel was to be a nation of priests, a special people to him, a treasure to him. Not just people running around living life. No, they were to be a special people to him. They were to represent him. Well, they disobeyed that commandment. They had become a great nation, as we know from a, a numerical standpoint. While they were in Egypt, again, through God's providence, through Joseph, he is that link between the promise and what we find in the book of Exodus, he is that link that made sure that promise was carried out and fulfilled. And now Joshua, the leader that took over from Moses, as they were to go into the land of Canaan, conquer these nations, and inherit that land that God had given, they got the land from God, but because of their transgression, because of their idolatry, the land will be taken from them. So we find two of these promises fulfilled that God had made to Abraham. They became a great nation, and they had the promise of the land. 
Okay. Well, there were three promises. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. So now we see Judah, as we've seen. Judah, Pharaoh, Hezron, Ram, Amenadab, Nashon, and then Salmon. We're continuing in that line, that lineage. But now we also find Boaz, Obed, Jesse, and Genesis chapter 49, verses 10 through 11, which is David. Yes, there was a king in Israel before David named Saul, the Benjamite, who was disobedient to God as well. But now God is fulfilling that promise through David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 13, God says this, When your days are fulfilled to David, and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for me, uh, for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And so we see that God had continued that promise, that kingdom promise now. Remember, we have a seed promise given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that was continued. And now, as we saw in Genesis 49, verses 10 through 11, there was also the idea of a scepter. And now God gives that promise to David and says, your uh, The seed of your loins, the son, that descendant of yours, I will establish his kingdom forever. So we find David. Now, David, of course, would have many wives and many concubines. And also, we see some of David's sons were very wicked very disobedient to God, even tried to destroy him. But we find two sons that the Bible tells us were righteous men, Nathan and Solomon. Of course, Solomon came as a result of David's sin with Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, one of David's mighty men. So notice that this promise that God is making is not without its issues. Oh, it's not without its issues. You took them at you, your mind, one of your boys, one of your soldiers that would die for you. You took his wife. You impregnated him. You tried to get him to take, you know, get him drunk so he could take his... He wouldn't do it, and so you have him killed. Put him on the front lines where he's killed. And then you marry his wife and have a child with his wife. Of course, the first one dies... But you have two other ones. Now, don't forget that. That promise will continue again. Uh, if you need a slide, I'd be glad to give it to you. But it will continue through the United Kingdom. It will continue through the divided kingdom. First Kings 11, verses 40, uh, 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 verse 43 through chapter 12 and verse 10. It will continue through the captivity. Second Kings 18, eight, uh, 10, through, uh, 10, 10 through 12, or the second Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 8. It will continue, of course, that's the northern tribes going into Assyrian captivity. It will take place during Judah alone. Uh, it will continue to flourish through kings like Hezekiah, uh, through Zedekiah, Second Kings 24, 19 through 25, and verse number 1. That promise would continue. It would continue to the promise or the period of the return uh, with men like Ezra and Nehemiah were allowed to return uh, in uh, Malachi chapter 3 and verses 6 through 7. 
For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you sons, I'm sorry, therefore you not consume, assume, you sons of Jacob. Yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? And notice, it's because I'm the Lord. Again, I am immutable. I change not. That's why you're not destroyed, because I have a promise that I'm about to fulfill. Please don't believe. Jacob, sons, that it's because of your great righteousness and your obedience. No, I am the Lord. I change not. I have made a promise going all the way back to the garden with, with Satan. And I'm going to keep that promise. That's why you're not consumed. It is imperative for us to know why we are here. And it's not because we are so righteous, so holy. God needs to be thankful he has me as one of his servants. No, 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 no. It's because I am the Lord and God is long suffering. That promise also continued through the years of silence. As a matter of fact, in Amos chapter 8 and verse number 11, the prophet Amos would say, an old prophet said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of, of bread, nor a thirst of water, but, uh, uh, but of the hearing of the word of the Lord. That's the years of silence. God would fulfill that promise. All right. So now, in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 4, the apostle Paul would say this. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wasn't it in Genesis 3 and verse number 15 that he said of the seed of a woman that he would destroy Satan? He would crush his head or literally crush him or destroy him? He's going to hurt the son, but Satan is going to be destroyed by the seed of woman. But now look here what we have. Born of a woman born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. We have the adoption, the adoption as sons, both Jew and Gentile. Remember, we read that in Galatians chapter 3. And it's through the seed of woman. But I want us to consider something very, very, very carefully. Very this is amazing to me. I, 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 I remember, Brother Brian, when I began to, to look at... I, I, guys, if you have lost your amazement and bewilderment at the word and promises of God, may I suggest to you, you do everything with your ability and power to recapture it. Don't you lose that. It is... The Word of God is better than any book you're going to read or from Shakespeare or anybody else. It, it, it is the most wonderful thing that we can see and it, it should instill into us a faith and trust in God. Now, you remember going back to King David, the kingdom promise, and of course how that is the continuation of that seed promise, how God had made that promise. Well, through God's son Nathan, we find a lineage. And through God's son Solomon, uh, I'm sorry, David's son Solomon, we find a lineage. Both of them from Bathsheba. We find also a lineage. Now understand, Jesus had a mother named Mary and a father named Joseph. A dad, as we would maybe call it, from the earthly sense. Because understand, the father of Jesus was God. But now, it was still his father as far as the lineage is concerned. See, Jesus came by, well, when the Holy Spirit 
conceived, a man rather was conceived of the Holy Spirit, had not known a man. And by the way, have you also noticed this throughout the scriptures? That that promise that God made, how it was all certain that it was God who was fulfilling it. Guys, wasn't Sarah barren? Wasn't Rebecca barren? Wasn't Rachel barren? But yet they had children. Mary may not have been barren, but Mary was a virgin. And yet what happened? Alright, so we see these two lineages come together right here. With a man named Salathiel and with a man named Jerubbabel, who was the governor of, uh, of Judah during the Persian era. Now, from these two, notice how they connect now. Go, go way over here, way over there, Mary, Joseph, and here we find this right here. Because it would be here that we would find the lineage coming all the way from this direction, which would go to Mary, the son of Hil uh, daughter of Hillel, and then we would find Zerubbabel also, or Salatian and Zerubbabel from the standpoint of Solomon, coming all the way around here to a man by the name of Joseph, whose father was Jacob, and then we find these two individuals coming together after all of that. <laughs> Why is that important? The seed was supposed to come from Judah. She was a virgin. But you know what? Judah, 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 Judah. Jesus, the son of David, I'm sorry, the son of Adam, son of Abraham, son of David. Matthew 1, 2, again, Solomon, as far as the lineage from Joseph, Mary, as far as the lineage from Nathan. And Joseph, legally, was Jesus' father. But God didn't say it was going to be the seed of man like we see, you know, and Cain and Abel, the son of, uh, with the uh, children rather of Adam, Adam was a, oh no, oh no, uh-uh. Illegally he is, but God said it would be from the seed of woman. And hence we find a virgin being conceived with child. <laughs> and both from the same family. Matthew's account is simply emphasizing the genealogy, genealogy from Joseph's standpoint. In other words, the legal royal lineage. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. You see, even though Jesus was born of Mary, conceived of Mary by the Holy Spirit, he still was from a kingly lineage because that's what God told David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. It would also be from the seed of woman, that physical seed, that physical promise, those spiritual things, that Jesus would be born from the genealogy of Mary, which is Jesus' natural also in royal lineage. Guys, only God can do that. And by the way, when you look at these accounts, Matthew and Luke's, of course Luke traces his genealogy back to Adam as far as ascending. Matthew uh, traces the genealogy of Jesus 
descending from Abraham, David, and going down. So Luke, again, who, who wrote mainly the Gentiles were his audience, he goes all the way back to Adam. Why to Adam? Oh, from what we found in Genesis 3. And people want to discount. It don't matter what church you go to. Are you serious? It don't matter who you follow, whether it be Mohammed or, or Buddha or Joseph Smith or whoever, uh, Rutherford, uh, uh, Russell. It, it doesn't. Are you serious? Have you not read the scriptures? In Acts chapter 2 and verse number 23, after Jesus Christ would be crucified, buried, and rise again the third day, as even David in the Psalms said would happen, we find Peter saying, Him being delivered by the determinate purpose and foreknowledge of God, have you taken lawless, uh, by lawless hands and crucified and put to death? Notice, according to the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God. And then in Galatians 4 and verse number 6, we've already read, uh, read that. But in the fullness of time, God decided that it was time. In Romans chapter 3 and verse number 9, what then? Are we better than they remember Jews and Gentiles? Not, a, uh, not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks or Gentiles that they are all under sin. Because, see, that goes all the way back to sin entering into this world. The Jews thought that they would have but We are the descendants of Abraham. We are the descendants of Isaac. We are the descendants of Jacob. We are the children of promise. And that promise that God made, remember, goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And Abraham, he said that all families of the earth would be blessed. And so Paul, this apostle, this Pharisee, this Jew of Jews, this Hebrew of Hebrews, is telling these people, no, both Jews and Gentiles need the seed promise. They all need Jesus Christ. And God has made sure that all know that. No, y'all are, y'all are, yeah, God, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I, I really believe about this. And then y'all, look, you, I give you my number, you get with me, you, you check back with you, just whatever you need to do to, to correct me or help me understand. But you know how God used the other nations, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Medes, how God used them for his purpose, even the Egyptians, how God used them for his purpose? Why do we don't, th why we don't, why do we not understand or maybe think that God used the nation of Israel for his purpose? Just like he did those other nations. Because see, people don't get that, do they? Right now they're saying, no, they're still God's special people. Oh no, they've always been the only true people of God. As if, why do we not understand that God used them just like he did the other nations? For his purpose, for his will. To bring forth this promise. They are no, because understand, just as God destroyed those nations, guess what happened to Israel in 87? But yet people even to this day, oh no, no. God said he's going to bless them who bless, uh, bless those who bless them and curse them who curse them. Oh, right now, no, no, we acknowledge Israel as God's sovereign people. Read the scriptures. That's not the case. Paul goes on to say, remember, now the second seed beginning. In Colossians 1, verses 15 through 16, he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. I thought that was Adam. Isn't that why Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 says that Adam was the first one, but Jesus 
Through Him comes life. The firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created that are in heaven and that are, uh, are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities and powers. All things were created through Him and for Him. We also see that in Colossians chapter 1, verses 17 through 18, and He is before all things, and in Him all things consist, and He is the head of the body, the church. Now watch this. Who is the firstborn, I'm sorry, is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. And by the way, I forgot to mention in the American Standard Version, it says the firstborn, not of all, but over the new creation. See, Jesus Christ has brought in a new creation. And all Christians, all Christians are now part of that new creation. Again, in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse number 1, Therefore, if any is, uh, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm reminded about how all things have passed away and destroyed in Genesis chapter 6. But in Genesis chapter 9, we find all things from the physical standpoint from that part of the beginning have become new. And there's a new start because of a man by the name of Noah. In Romans 8 and verse number 29, for whom he foreknew, he also did predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among any nation. See, we are a new create, uh, creatures. This is a new creation. The church is the beginning of that creation going back to the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and he purchased in that church with his own blood. He now has new creatures. We have to be born again. We can't enter into this promise from a physical standpoint. Nobody's able to say, well, I was born of the Jews. So therefore, I am. I automatically deserve. That's why John said, "Look, think not within yourself. You have Abraham as your father. God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Bring forth, uh, bring the, uh, forth, therefore, fruits of repentance." You know, you don't enter into here physically. This is a new creation. You have to be born again and become that new creation. God will again destroy the earth like He did before. 2 Peter 3, 1 through 10. And the question is, like Noah, who found grace in the eyes of the Lord, shall we find grace? The grace of God hath appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we shall live soberly and righteously and godly in this world. We can find grace if we're obedient like Noah. It hasn't changed. Grace is still offered by God, but it's only accepted by those who obey God and realize that grace. Same thing. Are we going to find grace when this world is destroyed? All were justified by grace and faith. That's what Hebrews 11 is telling us. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. We're saved by grace through faith. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul said, Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be, be sure to all the seed. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Yes, through faith, Jew and Gentile. The promise is made and it's according through that promise that God made to Abraham. Not through circumcision, not through the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. We find in Hebrews chapter 4, uh, 3 rather, verse number 6. Remember, the Hebrew writer talks about that Christ is faithful over, just as Moses was faithful in his house, Christ is faithful over his own house, whose house we are, if, if, 
we hold fast uh, that faith uh, to the end. Hebrews 4 and verses 1 through 2. Therefore, sin, sin, uh, since a promise remains of entering into his rest, least, uh, uh, let us, I'm sorry, fear least any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they, uh, they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those that heard it. Referring back to Joshua. You see, that rest that we find going all the way back to Genesis. We noted the verses. God rested on the seventh day. There's a rest that remains for us as well. I hope you're able to see the similarities in what we've noted. Where the rest for us is not a Sabbath day rest that God gave to the Israelites when they were wandering in the wilderness. No, our rest is when we leave this earth, when we cease from our works, we too will have a rest. And it's Jew and Gentile. All those who have conformed to the image of God's dear son will do that. They had a deliverer. His name was Moses. We too have a deliverer. His name is Christ. Strengthened with all might according to the glorious power of his patience and longsuffering, with joy giving thanks to the Father who hath qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints and the life. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and has conveyed us into the kingdom of his son, the son of his love, whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Romans 8 and verse number 37, yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. First, uh, 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse number 12, remember God told the Israelites in Exodus chapter 19, you are to be a special treasure to me, you are to be a peculiar people. Well, guess what we find as Christians who we are. You also as living stones and have built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. In 1 Peter 2 and verse number 9, but ye are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praise of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But you know what? Just as the nation of Israel had to be separate from those other nations in Canaan, we too have to be separate from those other nations. Therefore, come out from among them. What was Joshua saying about Israel? No, you accepted the gods. You uh, became idolaters with them. You made covenants with them. And Paul says, look, you must come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean, and he will receive you, and I will be a father to you. And you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty, the Omnipotent. We also find in Hebrews 8 and verse number 8, because finding fault with them, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a covenant with you, uh, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Hebrews 12, verse 24. To Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. The Hebrew writer reached way back and said that the sacrifice of the offerings that you give for the new covenant, they speak better than those things of Abel. For this is my covenant, the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 and 28, uh, 27, 29. Therefore, whoever eats of this bread and drinks of this cup of the Lord in a worthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. 
right, I'm going to. Uh... <laughs> All right, I don't want to over. But this presentation will be uh, uh, available to, to Brian, whoever needs to, uh, for it. Uh, I don't want to just drown us. Uh, and I know we say, well, brother, not drowning us in Scripture. Well, I just don't, I, I hope you understand what I, what, I, what I mean when I say that. But I, I, guys, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. And look at verse 28. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. That kingdom that shall not be destroyed that God promised to David. First John chapter 3 and verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Genesis 3 and verse number 15. And notice, he who sins, and I believe the idea of continuing in sin, is of the devil. You had the sons of God. You had the sons of, and daughters of men. You had those who were calling on the name of the Lord. You had those who were rejecting the name of the Lord. The seed of woman would destroy the seed of Satan. Satan has a seed, the sons of disobedience. And if we are in sin, continuing sin, that promise in Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 15, until we get out of sin, we are Satan's. He owns us, he uses us for his own purpose. That's why it's so important to be the sons of God. And we find Revelation 22, and I skipped over a bunch of verses, but in Revelation 22 and verse 14, Blessed are those who do His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life. The tree of life that we found in the beginning is now showing back up to us in the end. And may enter through the gates into the city. And finally, in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19, Dare I say, God commands us still to go, be fruitful, and multiply. But the multiplication, I don't believe, is through the physical promise, physical seed. Yeah, we're to have children. I don't see a problem with that. But you know, I believe it's more pertinent to what we do spiritually. How can we be fruitful and multiply? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's how we're born again. That's how we become creatures, new creatures in Christ. That's how we become a part of this new creation that has been created in Christ Jesus. God, in His infinite wisdom, His infinite power, His infinite presence, and His infinite purpose, has given to us a word, a will, that we can see is sure, is steadfast, is immovable, and we can inherit, inherit rather, these promises that God has given. We can be that seed, not seeds of many, but as of one. 
whose seed is Christ. Are we Abraham's seed? Well, if we're Abraham's seed, we're the seed of Christ. And may I present to you that if you're not, all those who died in the flood were disobedient to God's commandments. There's not going to be a flood again. The earth and all the works there are going to burn with fervent heat. All those who do not accept the grace of God and do as Noah did the commandments of God, as God has given those commandments, no, they're not going to be destroyed in the flood. They're going to be condemned in an everlasting world. And just as Noah, you don't have to do this. You can obey God today. We're about to sing a song. And as we sing this song, this song is given not just, I mean, this is not, well, okay, you can come. No, no, this is to encourage you. To do what God says. It's not to allow you to do it. Look, that's not our call. That's not, we're not in the allowing business. But we are in the encouraging business. This song is to encourage you to do what God says while you've been given the opportunity to do it. Noah was building that ark and everything was fine. They were marrying and being given in marriage to the day that Noah entered into that ark. There's going to be a day when we're going to hear a trumpet sound. Nobody can control it. Nobody can predict it. And it's going to be over and done. In the twinkling of an eye, it's going to happen. We don't even have a measure to measure that. Or you die. And I'm afraid that sometimes we take for granted we can't control either one of those. We can't control the Lord coming back. We can't control when we die. Oh yeah, you can put your seatbelts on. You can lock your doors. You can do all of that. You can do everything. I don't care. You can run, be in shape and everything. But you still cannot determine when you leave this earth. And when you leave this earth, you're going to face God. You're going to face the judgment seat of Christ. Alright, so. Take that opportunity right now as we try to encourage you to by faith repent of all sin. Be willing to confess Christ before man and be baptized. For the remission of your sins. You will then have all of your sins passed away. You will be born again. You will be a new creature in Christ. You will be a part of this new creation. Where unlike Adam we have a mediator. That we can depend upon. And know that we have justification in him. And God will add you to his church. His body. That new creation. Where you can live faithfully all the days of your life in that kingdom that will not be destroyed by anybody. And as a child of God, if we strayed, if we are in sin right now, committing sin, we are of the devil. You've got to repent of it. You have to be willing to repent. You can't continue in sin that grace may abound. Paul said, God forbids. How shall we that are in sin live a dead to sin live any longer therein so please turn away from those things if we can help in those endeavors we encourage you to come as we stand and as we sing